Thank you, Sheila. 
Sheila's been uh, providing a lot of music. She had a concert here last night at the church and back here this morning and a concert in Oak Harbor tonight. So she's very busy, but thank you. Thank you to our worship leaders, um, Kathy and Aaron, and thank you, Ron, for being here as well. Arnie's going to provide some music for us, too. Uh, welcome to all those online. Good to see you all. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being here this morning. The order of service is uh, printed before you in the bulletin. We're going to be uh, dwelling in God's word and then coming forth to uh, share in the meal set by the altar guild, the bread and wine. So it's good to be together. It's March. Amen? <laughs> if it's comfortable for you, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, Come All You People, Come and Praise the Most High. confession and forgiveness. We have come from our homes. We, have come to God's house. we gather with friends and neighbors. We stand before God. Everyone welcome, everyone equal. To a God of healing. You know our hearts. You know our regrets. Against you. Against those we love most, with shattered dreams and broken hearts, with bitterness and despair, you have promised us forgiveness, that we may forgive others. Our hymn of praise draws us forth to this table. Let us go now to the banquet.
be with you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks and praise this day for the blessings that greet us, for obvious and hidden blessings, for the air that we breathe and for the bounty of the earth, for bread and wine and a banquet of grace, for the privilege of sharing this journey together, for walking the road of life with people of extraordinary faith and ordinary doubt. Send now your Holy Spirit that we might be set free from the chains that seek to bind us and experience the freedom of your love. We pray to one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson this morning is from Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him for that means life to you and length of days. The word of the Lord. During this season of Lent, we are journeying with Jesus as the path of the gospel is leading him to the cross. In the late 1960s and early 70s, God's spirit moved among students, hippies and freaks, and the Jesus movement was there. We were looking for new music that would express our experience in our faith walk. This is an early song from that time by Keith and Melody Green. Hey. 
Amen? Thank you, Arnie. Uh, leading us by serving us, our church council president, Arnie Bergstrom, and uh, former church council president, Daryl Dyer. Thank you both for leading by serving this morning. Appreciate that. The title of the sermon this morning is Freedom Framed by Law. We were created in the image of God, free beings with free will. And though we have been blessed with freedom, we have never experienced boundless freedom. In fact, there is no such thing as boundless freedom. Even here in the land of the free, we are restrained. We are restrained by natural law, by the laws of physics, and by the limits that come with our humanity. No one escapes gravity or aging or the law. In fact, we have never experienced anything approaching boundless freedom. If we were born in the land of the free, if we were born in this land of opportunity, if we were born into a loving family, then we won the birth lottery. It was random luck, or perhaps it was the decision-making of our ancestors that we were born here, but we had nothing to do with it. We might just as easily have been born in Haiti or Gaza or Ukraine. How different our lives would have been. But even winning the birth lottery did not grant us boundless freedom. The house rules applied to us. Our parents or grandparents or older siblings laid out the law for us. We had chores, bedtimes, and curfews. Not exactly boundless freedom. You see, we have never known boundless freedom. Perhaps it's better that way, safer, and life is a little more predictable. This morning, we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments. Moses went up Mount Sinai, and God said, Moses, I have five commandments for you. They are a gift to you and the children of Israel. Moses said, I did not bring my wallet. How much are they? God said, they're free, Moses. And he said, well, that in that case, I'll take 10. It's a joke. You'll start laughing uncontrollably during the coffee hour when you get that. But. The Ten Commandments, you probably know them. Perhaps you memorized them. And you're probably wondering what I could say about the Ten Commandments that you have not already heard. The Ten Commandments are so familiar that you might not realize just how radical the Ten Commandments were. Running alongside of the Ten Commandments is the primary confession that centered the faith of the Jewish people. That confession is known as the Shema. It was a daily prayer for ancient Israelites. It is still recited by Jewish people today. We first find this prayer in the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It was a confession of monotheism. It recognized the truth at the heart of Judaism, namely that there is one and only one God. This belief set the children of Israel apart from other religious movements. 
The Jews rejected the notion of the Egyptians and Babylonians and Greeks and Romans that there were many gods, gods of harvest, gods of fertility, gods of wine, gods of sea and stars, gods of the seasons. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. This confession set the people of Israel apart and it bound them together. The biblical law commanded that it be recited at least twice a day, when you lie down and when you rise up. Before your head hits the pillow to slumber and before your feet hit the floor to face a new day. But there is something missing here. The Shema by itself expresses no concern for the neighbor. This is consistent with most ancient religious practices. Before the Ten Commandments, religious practices had to do with God, sacrificing to God, appeasing God, seeking God's blessing through sacrifice and worship. Now a little context for the Ten Commandments. By the time Moses came along, the current generation of Israelites had never experienced freedom. All of their lives they have been told what to do, and the directions they received were not suggestions, they were commands, and they were not optional. After all, the children of Israel were slaves. So were their parents, so were their grandparents, so were their great-grandparents. The children of Israel had for generations been told what to do. For several hundred years, every decision had been made for them. Work there, eat that, sleep there, sleep with her, sleep with him, do as you're told or else. This is not a democracy. There is no freedom. There is not a single decision that you need to make. Just do as you are told. Egypt was a superpower, a dynasty, and to the victor goes the spoils. The spoil would, of course, include gold and silver, but there was more. For most of human history, it's been common practice for the victors to take slaves from the conquered. Slaves would fight in the army of Pharaoh. Slaves would plant and harvest crops. Slaves would make bricks and from mud and grass. In the hot desert sun, slaves would build pyramids. Slaves do not get to make decisions. And the children of Israel had known nothing but slavery by the time Moses came along. Moses, the prince of Egypt, raised in a royal family, a Jew by birth, a prince by accident. Then again, was it an accident or did God have a larger plan? You may remember that Moses started off as a basket case. Now that one you got. Started off as a basket case, but rose to the very pinnacle of power in Egypt. And then you remember the story, Moses got in trouble with the law. Not even a prince has boundless freedom. So Moses fled into the desert to live out his life in solitude, caring for the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. No, not Jethro Bodine, just Jethro, the priest of Midian. Midian was a quiet, off-the-beaten-path wasteland in what is now northwest Saudi Arabia. Moses had a simple life, the simple life of a shepherd. He was married to Jethro's daughter, Zipporah. 
But God had a plan, and God disrupted Moses' peaceful existence. In a burning bush, God summoned Moses to return to Egypt to face the greatest power on earth, to tell the most powerful man in the world what to do. But guess what? Pharaoh did not want to be told what to do. Unlike the slaves, Pharaoh had never been told what to do. And under no circumstances would Pharaoh give the children of Israel their freedom. Let my people go, Moses said. Don't tell me what to do, Pharaoh replied. Okay, Pharaoh, we can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. And so there was this standoff between a superpower and a higher power. Soon the Nile was turned into blood, and there were frogs and insects and disease and boils and fiery hail and locusts and darkness and finally death. Pharaoh now could take it no more. His people were suffering, and his poll numbers were historically low. Fox and MSNBC were demanding something be done. So Pharaoh let the people go. The children of Israel packed up their bags, headed off to the promised land. And what followed was 40 years of wandering, trying to find the Jordan River, trying to find the land of milk and honey. They should have taken one of my tours. They were homeless, and they were wandering, but at least they were free. After a lifetime of being told what to do, Moses had given them independence, freedom. There were no master now, no rules, no road signs, no laws, no experience making decisions. It was not a good recipe. Freedom, independence, no one telling me what to do. It sounds pretty great, does it not? Imagine for a moment the joy of being able to drive your car without the rules of the road. There'd be no left, that left turn sign, no left turn coming into the church. It would be gone. The center line, gone. No stop signs or stop lights to slow you down. No speed limits. You are free to drive as you like. And you can pick your side of the road. There's no rules. Just go for it. How's that look? Freedom. What a gift, huh? It's kind of where the children of Israel were. They'd never been free. They never made decisions, but they were free now. No policemen, no courts, no masters, no judges, just freedom. Moses had been called from the peaceful and pastoral fields of Midian. He had taken on Pharaoh. He had risked everything for God and, his, and for his people, and his reward was anarchy. Grumpy, grumbling people wandering the wilderness with no GPS. God reached out to their beleaguered leader. God said, Moses, I sense that you could use a little time away from the children. Come up to the top of the Mount Sinai for a few days. Come to my mountain retreat. I have a gift for you. Moses did go, and he returned with the law, the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments that would become the foundation of Jewish life, but ultimately they would become the foundation of the legal codes of Western civilization. The Ten Commandments, what are they? They are bare minimums for healthy relationships. The first three give us the bare minimums for maintaining a relationship with God. And there's nothing really radical here. The first three commandments go well with the Shema, with the long-held traditions of the Jewish people. 
but the three are followed by the seven. And the seven were game changers. They were game changers in Jewish history and in human history. The final seven commandments were entirely new. They had little to do with God. In fact, they had nothing to do with God. The final seven are the bare minimums for maintaining a healthy relationship with our family, our neighbors, and the larger human community. Now, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, but I'm going to do something that I've never done in 38 years of preaching. I'm going to quote Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler said this, the Ten Commandments have lost their validity. Conscience is a Jewish invention. It is a blemish like circumcision. Hitler would go on later to say, I freed Germany from the stupid and degrading fallacies of conscience, morality. We will train young people before whom the whole world will tremble. I want young people capable of violence, imperious, Rest, relentless and cruel. The Ten Commandments, in some way, Hitler had the first part right. You see, the Ten Commandments changed everything. Suddenly, law, morality, our dedication to God, and our worship would be inextricably linked to our treatment of our neighbors. You see, freedom is meaningless if not framed in a system of values and laws. Freedom is meaningless if it does not find its expression in a system of values and laws. Values and laws that defend the weak, that protect the basic rights of all people. Values and laws that temper the excesses of the powerful. Morality is the bedrock of law, and morality is, by definition, a limitation of power for the common good. We were created in the image of God. We are children of God. We were created to live as free beings with free will, but that freedom must be exercised under the constraints of law. Law that does not restrict the pursuit of abundant life. Rather, it is the law that allows us to achieve abundant life for ourselves, but also for our neighbors. You see, we cannot decide to care about the other because the other is, in fact, our equal. The bottom line, life is better if we keep the Ten Commandments, for they are meant not to restrict our lives but to enhance our lives and to assist in the building and maintaining of healthy communities. The radical transformation of the Ten Commandments is that our worship, our sacrifice, and our adherence to the laws of God have nothing to do with God. Hear me now. There is nothing that God needs from you. Frail flesh that hangs around for a few decades and then returns to the ground? If religious practice and religious law are faithful to God's intent, then they have very little to do with God. Keep yourself in the path of the gospel. Invest in community. Journey through life with people you can trust, people who care. If you do that, your life will be better. But either way, 
It'll have no bearing on God's life or God's mood or God's existence. You see, you do not have the power to ruin God's day, but you have the power to ruin your life and consequently the lives of those around you. The gift of the law had little to do with God. Even the first three commandments are really about us, not God. The commandments begin with a promise, not a prohibition. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This statement of truth is not dependent upon our belief or our intellectual assent or even our adherence to the laws that follow. The first three are all about us. God claims us in number one. In number two, God tells us that it will not go well for anyone if there are those among us that use God's name to further their own causes or to feather their own beds. Kings and queens, politicians and potentates have used God's name to start wars and to conquer other lands and to conquer other people. And in the name of God, TV preachers live in multi-million dollar homes and fly in private jets. Priests and popes have lived like kings at the expense of impoverished parishioners. You see, using God's name to oppress the poor does not benefit society. And the third commandment gave us a gift, the Sabbath day. Before the Ten Commandments, there were no days off. Every day was a work day. The Ten Commandments gave us a conscience. The Ten Commandments changed the focus from pleasing some mysterious God to actually being faithful to those that we live with and living out our faith by loving our neighbor. You see, my friends, when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's all about you. You do not have the power to ruin God's day, but you have the power to ruin your life. And God's going to love you either way. It's not that we keep God's commandments first and then we earn God's love. Rather, we are convinced of God's love for us and then we keep the commandments. But either way, God will love you. Your life will be better and the lives of those around you will be better if we cherish God's wisdom and embrace this gift, the gift we call the Ten Commandments. Amen? Amen. I'd invite you to stand for our hymn of the day, Be Thou My Vision.
to God in prayer. Daryl's going to lead us in the prayer. Each petition will end, Lord, in your mercy. Our response, hear our prayer. Let us pray for all people according to their need. Jesus, we give you thanks and praise that you remember us even when we have forgotten you. We give you thanks that in life and death you remember us. We give you thanks that as we lay our sins and our life before you, praying, Lord, in your mercy. We lift up before you this day the starving of the world for those who long for daily bread, for those who are starved for compassion and love, for those who languish in despair, for those who are facing uncertain futures. We lay our lives before you, praying, Lord, in your mercy. We pray for peace. We pray for an end to terrorism in our world. We pray for soldiers who serve far from home and for families who wait their return. We pray for an end to violence in our homes. By your spirit, help us to see that peace begins at home. Use us and your church to be agents of your justice and your love. We lay our lives before you praying, Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else we need, we bring before you, gracious and loving God. We trust in your mercy and seek your guidance. We pray in confidence through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Be sure a sign of peace and greeting with one another. Thank you for sharing in that greeting of the peace. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. Please take note of those. After service, come on over in the gym for coffee and cookies and fellowship. And uh, you did such a good job on that hymn of the day. You want to try one more song? It's Dale Anderson's birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to Dale. Ready? Go. afternoon uh, with the Island Orchestra, Arnie and uh, many other of you probably, are going to be right here in the sanctuary, um, and they are here at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock today with the Island Community Orchestra, so come out. Uh, Pop Goes the Symphony. Should be fun, huh, Arnie? Should be fun today. So come out if you'd like uh, today. No tickets needed. Free will offering 3 o'clock right here. Uh, potluck meals every... Uh, 
every Thursday. We've been great turnout. We had about 70 people here last week for the uh, meal. So 6 o'clock in the gym. It's a potluck. We eat what you bring, and we all come together and enjoy that time. And uh, then uh, the service afterwards is at 7. Hold an evening prayer right here. Deacon Amy's preaching this week. So uh, come out for that uh, hold an evening prayer and the potluck uh, this week as well. A new art display up in the narthex that you'll see out in the narthex. Uh, Gordy Edberg, longtime member of our church who now moved to the Tri-Cities. Uh, Gordy, uh, besides being the mayor of uh, uh, Mercer Island for a period of years, is also a, a marvelous artist. And he did these pictures of Israel for us, all original watercolors. I don't think they're watercolors. All original paintings, and he gave them as a gift to the church. So take a look at those when you're out in the narthex today. First time we've had those up. And then we've got a, uh, we have a video about Lutheran immigration release. Refuge. And I'm Andrew Seal, Chief Development and Mobilization Officer at Global Refuge. Trinity, Lutheran, and Whidbey Island, we are so thankful for your generosity to make the work here in Guatemala possible. Your recent generous gift has already made a big impact because this week we got to see it in action and we wanted to say thank you from Guatemala. It was incredible to spend several days here meeting with the children, uh, their families, um, to hear their life journeys uh, and the trauma that they've experienced and how through your generosity, we were able to change their trajectory. Um, the gratitude they expressed to us, we wanted to express to you. Um, there's so much more to tell, um, and we look forward to a follow-up conversation, but uh, the short version of it is truly grateful for everything that you and the church have done to support this effort. Thanks so much, and God bless. Hey, my name is Chris Omer. the CEO of uh, Lutheran Immigration Refugee Services, and, and Andrew uh, Steele there. Uh, sending that thank you. We've sent $20,000 down uh, to help with this program. It's a brand new program there, uh, trying to help young people get started uh, in their own community so they don't have to make the journey to our southern border. So thank you for your uh, generosity there. Appreciate that uh, very much. There's a sign-up sheet out in the narthex uh, for um, the memorial for Wayne Shira, which will be on uh, Saturday, uh, March 16th at 11 o'clock. If you can help with that, you can sign up out there as well. I'm going to call Antonia. I know, I know you're all disappointed that it's not Lana up here in front of you. <laughs> um, and I won't try to compete with all of her headgear. But um, you'll notice the uh, volunteer sign-up sheets in the gym are very short on ushers. Uh, especially this 8 o'clock service. So you'll save Lana and I a lot of phone calls if you would go visit that sign-up sheet and, uh, and help us out to uh, keep, keep all of you in order on Sunday mornings. Um, and uh, sign-ups for volunteers for uh, Easter will be out next weekend. Thanks. And Trio Rasa, uh, what time today? Okay, very good. Deacon Amy. Good morning. We had our first gathering of a book group on uh, Friday morning. The book is A Year of Living Kindly. 
was really a wonderful, wonderful experience on Friday morning, so I invite you all to join us anytime you're available. I do have some additional copies of the book, so if you would like one, come and see me. I'd be happy to share that with you and um, encourage you to join us on Friday mornings at 10 o'clock in the Fireside. We're there from 10 to 11.30, offering time for everybody to share. And then this Friday evening, I'm heading to Camp Lutherwood in Bellingham with eight of our elementary age students, first through sixth grade. We are loading up the van and heading to camp. So your prayers and good thoughts are appreciated. Thank you. All right, thank you. And uh, now uh, we're going to move towards that table that was set uh, by the altar guild this morning, uh, a table that unites us as Christian people, but it's comfortable, I invite you to stand. We gather now at a table where all are welcome. All are welcome by the invitation of the one and only host, Jesus Christ, our Lord. No matter where you've been in your journey, you're invited to approach this table today by the invitation of Jesus and so as we gather with Christians across the globe and across denominations and cultures and colors, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, We have regular uh, elements. We also have gluten-free. If you prefer those as you come forward, please let us know. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated.
invite you to stand. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and unite you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, go forth from this place and make a difference in the world. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our closing hymn, Lord of all hopefulness. <laughs>